Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we kind of finish up our trade board. So we started with James's trade board and earlier this week. My trade board is up today. So this is Kyle's trade board episode. I got one through 11, 12-ish, kind of a couple groups of players, if you will. So we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. We appreciate you listening, uh, subscribing to this podcast. Max Term Podcast is available on pretty much every single major podcast platform. We post a lot of our work, musings, contract stuff, at AFP Analytics on Twitter. Especially as trades happen, stuff like that. We'll try and break them down there. So we appreciate you giving us a follow and all our personal accounts and stuff can be found there. One thing I said this extensively in the first episode, reiterate it a little bit quicker this time. Please give the first episode a listen anyways, because these two kind of tie together, but we're not breaking any information. We're kind of doing very logical things, logical connections, stuff like that. These are our opinions. So as we talk about players' names, stuff like that, we're using some level of what insiders have reported, but we're not reporting anything for ourselves. So don't say that uh, the Max Term Pod is is reporting that player X is being traded to wherever. That's that's not the case. We're just musing, thinking about which teams make sense, players that would make sense to be on the move. So with that, let's get into my trade board. I'm going to lump one, two, and three kind of together because I think they make sense for you to kind of react, talk about fits similarly. So Matt Roy is my top available, I think I think available, the top player I would trade for if I was a team. Uh, right shot defenseman on an expiring relatively team-friendly contract we haven't projected four years five and a half ish 5.6 if you will average annual value if you want to kind of retain him then we have then i have noah hannafin and jacob chikrin so hannafin as well as an expiring contract a little bit more expensive than roy but still not breaking the bank both those players are really quality defensemen for under five million dollars same with Chikrin, except he's not on an expiring contract. Hannafin would take a little bit more to retain. Um, we're talking more in the seven years, seven and a half to eight million dollar range, potentially, if you want to sign him to a long term contract. So, Matt Roy, Noah Hannafin, Jacob Chikrin would be my top three players available because I think getting a good quality two way defenseman, if you will. It's a good idea if you're a contender. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think looking at Fitz, the very first thing I'm going to say is the team that should have Matt Roy for the end of the season is the LA Kings. As much as I would like to see him go to another team, because I, I just like trades, the chaos is fun. Matt Roy brings something to that defense, especially on the right side that they don't currently have on the right side. And that's pretty much real solid defensive play. So I I think the Kings moving him would really be a mistake for their chances this year, even though it is sort of out there that maybe he's moved out so that they can bring someone else in, whether it's a goalie or a forward or even another defenseman would term. As far as fits, one of 
the one of the contenders I would like to see Matt Roy with is the New Jersey Devils. I'm not I don't think he would end up being a long-term piece there. We discussed this previously when we were talking about uh some guys on my trade board and it, the same philosophy philosophy applies. A little thin on defense with some higher-end guys hurt, so Dougie Hamilton, Siegenthaler's been hurt a little bit. I think that bringing in Roy, a very solid defensive presence, not to take anything away from his offensive ability, but some younger players on that defense and Nemich and Hughes, I think, and even Kevin Ball a little bit, I think really bringing in that solid defensive player would do wonders for that team and ultimately make their defense much deeper heading into the playoffs. If Hamilton comes back, that's a very good-looking defense um, going into a playoff run. Let me just jump in real quickly and say Matt Roy is basically what people perceive Chris Tanev to be. Yes. I, I would say even... I would say even better because I think people look at Tanev as this shutdown defenseman, which I think he sort of is still, but Roy's better as a shutdown defenseman, but also has offensive ability. So I I would even take it a step further and say Roy is better than what people think Tanev is. Another team for Roy, and I'm not sure this would actually happen, but I'm going to throw it out there and say Buffalo. The issue is he's a free agent at the end of the year. Now, this is something where I think an extension would have to kind of be part of the deal. But looking at a team that could use a long-term upgrade on the right side of their defense, that's Buffalo. I will toss out one more team that would actually be looking for more of a rental would be Toronto. Now, Toronto is not going to have a lot of space to work with, but if LA was able to retain on Matt Roy, I believe he's making a little over $3 million this year. That's something that I think Toronto could make work, and Toronto is supposedly in the market for a right-shot defenseman. So that, that would be my team my teams for Matt Roy a little different than those other two you had mentioned because he's a right shot talking Hannafin next as uh, another UFA but being a left shot I like some fits a little more maybe the so I want to say Nashville long term I, I think it's a short-term acquisition to push for the playoffs, but it's also someone they could look at extending. They've got a lot of cap space to work with in the future. And then I would also say, and this kind of might get old to the rest of the league, but I would like Vancouver. There have been some rumors coming out that Zadorov isn't quite working out how they wanted it to, and they could be looking to flip him. And if that's the case, I think they're also looking to bring in a different defenseman. I'm not 100% sure how that would get done from a resources, like 
trade asset standpoint. But I would like that fit as a short-term rental. Could I say I like uh, Jacob Chikrin if they were to do that? Maybe a little bit more. I know he has another year left, but he's also on a very reasonable contract. Yes, so that that 100% is a good fit for Chikrin. I would wonder if from an acquisition cost, if it were to be even more steep and ultimately would kind of rule out Vancouver. Another team that could use Hannafin, and this is one that is probably a newer team to the trade discussion, at least in my opinion, would be the St. Louis Blues. There's room on their defense. They are right in the wild card conversation. And that's potentially a spot that I think could be a long-term fit. You kind of smirk a little bit like it might not be. I think they would have to try and move one of those contracts that they're kind of anchored with out first on the blue line. And we saw them try that already last offseason to no avail. So I I don't disagree that, that there's a need for a defenseman I just don't know from an asset and like roster construction standpoint if there's a long-term fit but but as a rental absolutely potentially okay I, I would say agree to disagree there because I, I think they could definitely make that work long term I think that is where I will kind of keep it with those top two the ufas moving on to chikrin i'm gonna throw out a few different teams because he's not a rental which the team i really want to throw out there i guess i'll just say it is arizona would be a great fit (laughs) long term (laughs) and it's it almost feels ridiculous that i have to say that but like they need they need him long-term. Uh, that's that's the perfect fit. That would honestly be a great long-term spot for Noah Hannafin. But Chikrin, he's probably not going back to Arizona. I don't think Arizona's going to try and make it happen. It, that's not really an option here. You threw out a team for an Ottawa defenseman that was on my trade board, and I'm going to throw it out there for Chikrin, too. Chicago Blackhawks. Now, I think the assets that would be used in this trade, specifically higher-end picks, would need to be protected. But when you're looking at a team that wants to build around their franchise star and has a ton of space to do so, that seems like not only, I guess we'll call it a long-term fit because he has an extra year on his contract, but even past that, it would appear to be a good fit as a team that needs a top defenseman um, because Seth Jones is not really that top defenseman. Hate to break it to you, Chicago. Sorry about that. Another team I'm going to throw out there that might be kind of doing a little bit of a retool and I think would like Chikrin at his current cap hit would be the Penguins. They just added Ryan Graves this past offseason. It hasn't quite gone to plan. 
I don't think Chikrin is a fit long-term necessarily when he needs a much larger contract, but for possibly this year and definitely next year, that would be an interesting fit that I think would allow the Penguins to put Ryan Graves in a much more favorable role, one that he might be better fit for. So I, I think that's where I'm going to leave it with those top three. Are there any fits you want to toss out there before we move on? You, you had mentioned Nashville for Hannafin. I think Chikrin also makes a lot of sense for potentially Nashville. Yep. I didn't know where you were going to go with the Brandstrom one because the Flyers is a team that I had put as a fit for Brandstrom, who Chikrin also Chicken in Philadelphia could make a lot Very of sense so. as well. So the I just want to add, I think those two teams, Chikrin specifically because of having a little bit more term and also being longer term fit. So Philadelphia and Nashville, you, you had mentioned um, Nashville for Hannafin, which I would not disagree with at all, especially if there was an extension kind of in place. But Chikrin could be could be the safer bet for them if they want to kind of add this deadline while also having a little bit more runway to work with. So next on my board, number four, I don't know. I mean, you jokingly said the team that should acquire Matt Roy is the L.A. Kings. And you might say the team that should acquire my next player is the same is their existing team as well. Jordan Eberle is is vet i mean i i'm not always on the like veteran train but like i'm gonna say it here he's the vet he's a veteran player but has strong two-way impacts contracts manageable especially with some retained salary easily middle six winger um probably could still even slot in on a top line in absolute pinch if you're a contender you're probably not doing that um, and if the re-sign cost is going to be very similar to what his current contract is. So you can fit him now. You might be able to fit him longer term as well. Yeah, so some fits for him and some of these might need a little salary retained. I feel like Vegas acquires a forward every year. And looking at their roster, it seems like they could maybe use it again this year. They would need salary retained but that is a fit as a rental that i like a lot unless um, of course jack eichel is out until the playoffs well yeah which <laughs> yeah that could very well happen it would be convenient so then yeah it might not need to retain any salary but v vegas is a fit for a player like that i think um Another team I would toss out there is the Rangers. I think salary would definitely need to be retained. They could use some depth. I would say he, there's potential he could be higher in the lineup there. Uh, but he doesn't necessarily have to be. He could go in there on a third line. will be interesting to see what they do with Capo Caco because... To me, when I think of Iverle and the Rangers, I kind of see him as that replacement, at least for this season. Um, and then one more team that I would kind of... I feel like it's not good that I have to throw this team out there because they've made some acquisitions at forward and are still not 
as good as they may appear to be as the Detroit Red Wings. It's a team where I, I think he could come in and play a very similar role as he does with the Kraken um, in that middle six, kind of provide secondary scoring. They would be able to fit his salary cap if they wanted to do more. Maybe they try and get salary retained on him anyways, but there's potential to fit the full cap and maybe that's more attractive to Seattle than needing to retain for other teams. Tampa feels like a contender for Eberle, especially with Sergachev out for the season. You mentioned earlier the Penguins. Again, we don't know how they're going to approach this, but hey, if they want to add, that could be an idea. If they are full-blown adding, yes. I, I think if they decide to kind of do both and so it maybe Gensel's out the door and they bring in others, I don't know if they would be bringing in rentals. So I, I think he's a fit there if they decide, you know what, we're going for it. Then I, I could absolutely see that. So I think we'll go to the only goalie on my board and that's someone with term on their contract not gonna come cheaply but jacob markstrom been already some smoke around him maybe maybe we've dated ourselves with this episode who knows but i i fully expect marks it feels like calgary is going to do something all at once and a lot of pieces move kind of out together so markstrom and hannah finn being kind of towards the top of my board makes sense and there's teams that need a starting goalie. Yeah, so New Jersey Devils, I think, are the one to mention first because there's been smoke there with supposedly even a deal very, very close to happening, and it ended up falling through. The LA Kings are another one that I think are very much so mentioned as a top destination, whether it's Markstrom or sometimes people throw out Soros as a fit there. So those are kind of the two easy ones. I'm going to bring up Philadelphia again. If they really want to make a push, I think bringing in a true number one, that could be a good fit there. They're in a weird situation where I think so far they are handling it well of, you know what, we're actually playing pretty well. We're Got a decent chance of making the playoffs, but we don't necessarily want to go overboard and hurt our future. I think that's where this fit could end up not working is just the trade cost to acquire Markstrom might be a little too rich, but it would be an interesting fit for that team. And there's one more team I want to toss out there. Um, and I don't, I don't know how they make this work necessarily. I, I I mean, I think they could, but it would be tough because I think multiple roster pieces would need to be sent back to Calgary. Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Samsonov has been a little better since he's come back from being sent down, but I think it's still a little shaky of whether or not he's their top guy. You've got Martin Jones. He's not someone that's keeping me from acquiring Jacob Markstrom. 
And Joseph Wall has shown potential. I don't know if you're ready to hand the reins over to him to go into the playoffs. I think a lot of people are talking defensemen around Toronto, and maybe that's what it ends up being. I would wonder if they could somehow make Markstrom fit, and maybe it means a Samsonov gets sent back and one of their one of their forwards that's a little lower in the lineup. Maybe in addition, maybe it's a Markstrom and a Tanov. There's been a little bit of smoke out there that Toronto doesn't want to give up a first unless it's multiple assets or someone would term. That type of idea would fit. And quite honestly, Toronto would finally have a true number one goalie to really support the high-end offensive lineup that they thought was going to take them all the way to the cup. So that's kind of my dark horse, I would say, for Markstrom. I, I like I like that logic. I mean, you already gave Toronto Matt Roy, so we gotta be. We, they they only have so many assets, but no, I I like the idea yes. of Markstrom, and T- I mean Markstrom Tanev package makes a lot of sense, but that's that's a massive trade because a lot of money has to go out outside of yeah. just Samsonov. So that that almost might need to bring in another team or something because I don't know if Calgary's gonna have an appetite. To, uh, bad contract or rental type player so what has me thinking that though is this that smoke kind of the rumors around toronto of not wanting to use a first round pick unless there's term which makes me think it's more of well they're actually interested in possibly using that first they've just kind of set some standards for it that feels like a trade that works I believe Trevelling Tree Living is the one who signed uh, Markstrom in Calgary, yep. so there's probably an affinity for the player as well. I think brought in Tanev too. Uh, he he definitely brought in Tanev. Yeah. Um, it, it's both of them. Yeah. So so there so there there's some connections there as well. That would be a really fun trade if if that were to happen. I I like the idea a lot. It's just you always hear, oh, that's an off-season move. Um, that feel feels like, like go. One. That feels like an off-season move because there's just so many pieces that probably would have to move. So, speaking of maybe more of an off-season move, number six on my trade board is I. There's been the most smoke around Casey Middlestat. We had an episode that came out uh, late last week on Casey Middlestat, but basically a week ago, Middlestat and the Saber situation. I had teased in that that maybe any of the three Buffalo centers of Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat could be on the move. So I'm going to put number six on my board as a Buffalo center named Thompson, Cousins, or Middlestat, all three of which I believe have a level of first-line center ability. So varying contract situations, Cousins, Thompson, $7 million, Middlestat on a cheap expiring contract who will be a restricted free agent. And then we project him probably about five by six million this offseason when all said and done, five point nine if you want to be exact. But he he would be affordable he would be fairly affordable going forward as well. So one team that jumps out to me, and this would be a little tricky financially, but it's possible I think it could work. 
the New York Rangers. I think they could use someone with first line center abilities. They have a couple centers who are pretty good. I don't know if they're ideal first line centers. Trocheck, I think I can more easily say that. Zabanajad, that's the one where I think ideally he's my second line center. Now, with Buffalo centers, I don't know if you bring any of them in and you feel any different. But at the same time, you have a much deeper lineup having one of those guys, Zabanajad and Trocheck down the middle. Real quickly, I, I think this becomes a little bit more of a necessity because of uh, Philip Heedle's unfortunate kind of injury situation yes. right now. I think we're having a slightly different discussion if if he's back and healthy, but it seems like he, well, it, it's confirmed he's out for the season, and unfortunately with how things look for him, I, I there could be some long-term questions there too. Yeah, so I, I would say even if he was healthy, I think, the Rangers should be a conversation. It means someone ends up playing wing. Any of those three Buffalo guys could be on the wing. I would say it probably means a defenseman on the Rangers gets sent out in a deal like that. But that's a team where I think from a long-term standpoint, they need high-end forward talent. So that's one that kind of jumps out. The interesting thing about the Buffalo centers is it's it's not a rental move for any of them. You, it's a very much so long-term move. Nashville is probably my favorite one. I guess I would say a dream scenario for a player of that caliber. They need a high-end center. Ryan O'Reilly is good, but he's not a future center for your team he's more of a now and he's really more of a second line at best right now can i say the irony if casey middlestat was acquired by nashville to uh succeed ryan o'reilly as the top center or number two center or however you want to look at that can i can i just point out that irony real quick here yeah ironic and unfortunately for buffalo it's happening for another team maybe I would say with Nashville, any of those three instantly become the center of the future. They don't really have centers on their team right now that are going to be a first-line player. There's some decent young guys' prospects who have turned into more wingers. So that's a fit I like, and honestly, I don't love the idea but Philly they're a team that's kind of rumored to be looking at some forward talent the thing I'll throw out there is I don't know if it would be one of the three centers you mentioned it might be kind of the fourth center and like a Peyton Krebs which kind of gets away from what you meant, but they're a young team with not a ton of long-term cap 
tied up where I could see them trying to add one of those higher-end guys to be part of their core moving forward. Um, and then Boston. That's really kind of the obvious one I want to throw out there. As terrible as that would be for Sabres fans, Boston would be a great fit for any center on that team, on the Sabres team. Yeah, um, that that seems like the obvious. I think asset-wise, that's a question if, if assets would satisfy what Buffalo would be looking for from Boston's basically NHL roster. And that that's where I would have a question, but I don't disagree that they could use one of those players. I would wonder about some type of like a, a middle stat for Brandon Carlo type of deal. That that's not all that's involved in that deal, but Buffalo, I think, if they're sending out a center, is most likely bringing in a defenseman. Maybe it's a forward. It it wouldn't be a forward from Boston. So, I I would say it would kind of have to be Carlo on defense, or I guess if you really wanted to be crazy, you could say one of the goalies, but. I don't think that's quite the way Buffalo's headed. Real quickly, one one team I want to throw out that I like as a fit for Middlestat would be him going home to Minnesota. It, it would have to be Middlestat because of contract situation-wise. Uh, Minnesota would probably need to keep him on a one-year cheaper contract for another year to, yeah. for cap for cap reasons, but that, that to me, is, is a fit as well. You had mentioned... You brought up Peyton Krebs and Philadelphia being a fit. So that transitions into, so I think Scott Lawton's the popular like defensive two-way center type name that's going to be available. He's not on my trade board. I wouldn't touch him, especially at the price that he's probably going to command. The player that I think fans think Scott Lawton kind of is, okay, there's, there's multiple players, but player I have, on my board that would make sense and probably come at a cheaper price Matthew Joseph from the Ottawa Senators he's the defensive type of center that I think fans think Scott Lawton is I 100% agree and the very first team I would say is Florida they don't necessarily need a center but they need I would say a third line type of forward maybe Maybe a second line, but I guess we'll call it middle six. Low cap hit has term. That kind of feels like it would be perfect for Florida as a team that is probably looking for the bargain contracts considering they're going to have a lot of, not a lot of decisions, but a, a handful of big decisions to make with some of their more higher end players this offseason. So Florida instantly jumps off the page. Not to be redundant, Boston would be an interesting fit for Joseph as a center. I would kind of wonder about Pittsburgh if they decide to buy. I think that would be a great fit in their middle six. And honestly, it would be a bit more ideal than having Jeff Carter kind of being on your third line. I'd rather have Matthew Joseph. And then, you know, I'm going to say, uh, and th this kind of, I don't want to keep reiterating the same idea, but I would sort of like Chicago 
as a team for Matthew Joseph because of the term on his contract. And I think basically what they are signing Nick Foligno for from a performance standpoint, I think Joseph would actually bring that. And I think that defensive play could be very beneficial to a very young forward group. So Chicago, I think, is a sneaky one, I would say, for Matthew Joseph. Can I throw the Edmonton Oilers out here? Um, as a team that probably could benefit. I don't know if like defensive forward is their top need, but I don't think it would be a bad idea to add some depth to their lineup. I think that they could. So I don't know if goalie is where they actually end up adding. And if it's not there, I, I think it might be forward. I, I don't think it's their defense. So, And with the amount of space that they have or could potentially have if they send someone out, that Matthew Joseph level of a player level of contract is kind of right where they would need to be, not much more than that. So that that would be a good fit, I think. So eight and nine are kind of similar, maybe different age type players, but kind of similar in what you bring them in for. Frank Vitrano from Anaheim. He's he's been a name that's that's definitely been talked about. Um, All star, very reasonable contract, just over a three million uh, dollar cap hit. So a lot of contenders probably could fit him with with some salary retained, especially. Then the next one, I think there's would be a question of how available he truly is, but at the same point, given where his team is, maybe should consider making him slightly more available. TJ Oshie, Washington Capitals. He's a name that has not been out there. I'm not saying he's going to be traded, but if his name popped up at some point, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so I'll I'll start with Vetrano. I would actually, I don't know exactly how this works financially, but I would like to see him stay in L.A. per se and go to the Kings. I think they could use, just in this whole situation that they've had of losing a ton of games, I think they could use a little bit of a offensive jolt to their team. And Vetrano, the way he's been playing offensively, I think would provide that. And it would be much easier for them to fit his contract and then someone like a, I, I guess some like an a zucker or someone of that level of a contract so i like the kings a lot for vetrano and then vetrano having term left he is someone i would actually like to see in nashville just nashville needs good forwards who can score so that is one Florida, that's another one. I don't think he ends up back in Florida after Neither do I. And so well with with that he was kind of the odd man out originally there, so. I agree, but they could use him. It's we'll probably get redundant with some of these teams, but a Pittsburgh if they're looking to acquire, that would be a great fit. I would say if I had to pick one team, this 
you've said this in the past. I feel like it with this player. Vetrano feels like a Tampa Bay acquisition to me. Pretty much, here's a third-line score. That tends to be what Tampa Bay is able to acquire these days. That feels like a Tampa move to me. So speaking of the Toronto former teams that I think would be a good fit, Rangers. Absolutely. Like back to yeah. New York could make you, – you laid out the case earlier with, with acquiring a center. If Maybe if they can't get that center done – um, maybe Vitrano's the name that they or or an Aberly, maybe they go and move to Vitrano who's familiar yeah. with the team and players. And then one of the players uh one of the teams that I've liked the fit for Vitrano with is uh Carolina a lot. I like that a lot. My issue with that is just their lineup is so deep I don't know who comes out. I think that I think that's absolutely fair. I, I think they could use the scoring that Vitrano brings, but I also think your point's very fair in that is he enough of an upgrade over someone else to give up the assets to put him in your lineup? Oshi uh, is is kind of the aging veteran. Impacts down a little bit. Scoring still kind of there. Would bring some power play presence. A little bit more expensive with term. But still, for a middle six winger, contracts under, carrying under a $6 million cap hit at this point in time, would help your power play and stuff is not outrageous no i i think regardless of the deal it has to come with some salary retention but i i don't think it would be at all impossible to move oshi i think he would still be a player that interests teams detroit feels like a team that would have interest in oshi i feel like they have interest in his type of style of play which we've talked about with Detroit they might almost be leaning in a little too much as far as like the power forward kind of guy um but that feels like it would be a good fit and Detroit could honestly use some secondary scoring I'll call it because some of their additions I guess I'll just say they're their forward depth is not as strong as it may appear. And I think if they were to bring in someone like Oshi going into the end of the year, into the playoffs, it would make them a little more likely to sustain the level of play that they've been at. I will say I don't know if I – do you know, does Oshi have – trade protection i think he does he has a level but i don't think it's a full-on so there's always a question of of who's on that list and and everything like that and how how amenable you are to a trade so we so he has at this point he would submit a 10 team no trade list so i that's that's according to cap friendly so i interpret the way i read that is he can veto trades to 10 out of the 32 teams Unless it's the opposite, and he can only he approves he vetoes trades to twenty two out of the thirty two teams. I always get confused how that how that's kind of denoted. So yeah. I I could be wrong, but he there is some level of um, protection, but it's not a full on um, no trade cause either. Okay, so I was gonna throw out Chicago. I don't know if he would really want to do that at this point in his career. 
but that feels like the type of veteran that they would possibly want to bring in. I also throw them out because I would wonder if there's a way to make that deal happen where Washington doesn't have to retain. And again, it would not shock me at all if Chicago was on that no trade list and he blocked it. Um, but that would be an interesting one to me. I, looking around the league, I have a tough time really envisioning him moving anywhere. Um, there's, I don't think there's a lot of teams that can really make it work financially and would be interested in doing so. I, I think that's fair. I wanted to put him on because I, I just don't I don't think he's moved. But I don't think it would be out of the question if we hear after March 8th deadline passes like an Elliot Friedman on a 32 thought saying, oh, one name that kind of surfaced was uh, TJ Oshie from the Washington Capitals. Yeah, so to me it's it's something I think probably doesn't happen at the deadline but like you're saying it would not shock me to hear that and it would not shock me at all if it was something that had a lot more smoke around it in the offseason so we're running a little bit long here and I, I I think you've kind of covered the teams that would probably make sense for the remaining kind of players on my board that I just I'll just throw out is who I had we'll maybe a quick comment or two but we'll, we'll wrap it up here so Sean Walker, Nick Sealer from Philadelphia would be kind of the next tier of defenseman if you miss out on one of those top names. Mike Riley slots in after that. And I kind of wanted to throw one under the radar type veteran defenseman that I that would make a lot of sense for a team to acquire at the deadline. Dakota Mermis, Minnesota Wild. Your big board head, Zach Bogosian. Mermis is probably a slightly less known version, but might be as good and bring as good of play as Bogosian and he he would be absolutely a player that a team could feel comfortable having as a seventh eighth guy on their roster so is he gonna fetch a massive return absolutely not but he's a name that I haven't seen talked about who could fit fetch like a fourth fifth round pick that's the type of player I think that even if you are comfortable with your defense, so your six guys that you're rolling out every night, you acquire a guy like Mermis or even a guy like Bogosian in case an injury happens. He is really depth in case something goes wrong. Not going to cost a lot, like you said. It could end up being like a fourth or a fifth. Um, but you grab him as insurance just in case. So that's kind of, I guess, my big board. We called the first episode James's big board. This is Kyle's big board. It's Kyle's um, big board. So with that, we appreciate you listening, uh, subscribing to this podcast. Give us a follow on X, formerly Twitter, at AFP Analytics, where all our content basically is posted, at Max Term Pod as well as is basically the podcast account. And uh, with that, we'll, we thank you for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you next time.